Hi, this is Erica from Johannesburg. Dusted is a story wonk podcast. To show your support and for exclusive content, visit patreon.com slash storywonk. Thanks. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Alistair Stevens. This is Dusted, your It's a Pretty High Risk Strategy to Call Your Episode The Trial, huh? <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. <laughs> this week, we're watching Episode 9 of Season 2 of Angel, The Trial. I just said that. There you go. You kind of gave it away. It. You and spoiled it. And what a trial it is. <laughs> this episode aired on November the 28th in the year 2000. It was written... Astonishingly, by Doug Petrie and Tim Minear from a story by David Greenwald, these are our heavy hitters. These uh-huh. are some of our favorite angel writers. And as I think is already evident, I don't like this episode. <laughs> there are things about it that I kind of like. Yeah. And there are things about it that I feel I ought to like. But ultimately, it feels like we're moving these plots incrementally forward, yes. but not really accomplishing anything. Yeah, no, I can definitely understand that. I mean, my patience, I think, in this season for the Darla stuff has even been less than yours. Well, and much, much less. I've really enjoyed the Darla story up until now. But now right. I feel like I see what you've been saying exactly. all along. See, this is my favorite of all the Darla stories, <laughs> which actually isn't saying a lot because I didn't like any of them. Uh, directed by Bruce Seth Green, who is just the worst. It's the worst name to say properly. I always stumble over that, but I think I got it this time. <laughs> this is the last of three episodes that he will direct for Angel. Previously, he directed The Prodigal and In the Dark, and In the Dark was the only episode of Angel to feature Seth Green. Yes, no Not connection. related. No, no relation. connection between Bruce Seth Green and Seth Green, exactly. except that they were both connected to In the Dark. Absolutely. And he crossed over from Buffy as Oz. Yes, Bruce Seth Green is an enigmatic figure. I did a little research before we sat down to record the podcast trying to figure out exactly what happened to him and could not find out the he answer. He just disappeared. He directed like five more episodes of television yeah. after this and then just disappeared in 2001, which is unfortunate. We've previously really enjoyed his work. Yeah. It's interesting, I think, that around the time that he was directing this episode, he was also directing an episode of Dawson's Creek mm-hmm. and an episode of Gilmore Girls. He was directing <laughs> the Bangles episode of Gilmore Girls, which oh, is a great wow. episode. Yeah. But I think that might account for the odd look that this episode has. This episode looks like a soap opera. A little bit. It's yeah. crazy yeah. the degree to which we're not shooting in the conventional angel house style Mm -hmm. and that's understandable because the plots that we have rolling here kind of soapy well yeah but this is my bruce seth green headcanon all right is that it's kind of like senioritis right remember those last few weeks of senior year this was like right before he was going to retire and go off to some caribbean (laughs) island and right now he is sitting in the sun somebody's giving him a drink with an umbrella in it and everything's great but he was just like right on the verge of that he's getting all this work done banged out at the last minute so that he could retire and perhaps Perhaps this episode might, you know, be an exhibit of some of that, you know, enthusiasm for the escape. There's some mm -hmm. challenging stuff to shoot. And I think he does a decent job with the hard stuff, with the last act. Yeah. But the ongoing serialized Mm storylines, those are odd. I'm thinking in particular of the scene with Lindsay and Darla and Holland Manners. Mm -hmm. That's shot 
very much like a soap opera. We get full-on days of our lives cutaways <laughs> to Lindsay reaction shots <laughs> in that scene, which is weird. Yeah. And then the other scene that feels like that is the scene when Angel brings Darla back to the Hyperion and we get Cordelia and Wesley yes. giving her a stern talking to. Mm-hmm. That feels like a really weird Really no, it odd feels very and, and by the numbers kind of shooting yeah. in that way where we get, you know, all of the expected shots, but in this way that's almost hypnotic. It, it almost puts you to sleep yeah. in that process. Uh, the thing that bugged me, well, we'll get to that in just a moment. <laughs> but let me go ahead and get us started with the beat by beat. Previously on Angel, the host reads demon souls while they sing karaoke. <laughs> Darla wants to be a vampire again and doesn't want Angel to look for her. At the Hyperion, Cordy and Wesley are hovering around the cellar door, wondering what Angel is doing down there. Cordy is worried that Angel is obsessed with Darla, and Wesley's idea of male bonding taps out at tea preferences. (laughs) Finally, Angel comes upstairs totally cheerful. Cordy and Wesley are a little weirded out by his sudden sanguine nature, and Angel says he's made his peace with the whole Darla situation. He's going to just let go. And I really like this. I really like this vision of Angel. I mm-hmm. really like his his honesty with the people that he cares about. I don't really understand, but I respect his <laughs> appreciation for fine laundering. Yes. That seems pretty good. I love that moment when he smells his sweater, mostly because of a tweet that we got earlier. Uh, for those of you who don't listen to the Scott and the Sassanac, which is our Outlander podcast, <laughs> over on that television show, there's been a little bit of like, you know, sweater sniffing clothes sniffing a going surprising on. amount it's kind of become a theme so for the people who cross over between the two seeing angel sniff this sweater was kind of a funny thing but isn't it true that sweater sniffing is always creepy even if it's your own sweater not if it's fresh out of the laundry man oh i put that stuff in my face it smells so good i love it <laughs> That's the strangest thing. <laughs> but it, it is weird on television, though. It always looks creepy when does. somebody else does it. Yes, that's it. When right? I it do it because I love the smell of fresh laundry. <laughs> exactly. When I'm doing it, it's just because my laundry smells You so just good. love that I fresh do, scent of game. I do love that fresh <laughs> scent of game, yes. Okay, so he's sanguine until Gunn comes in a moment later with information on Darla, who's staying at the Viking Hotel in Skid Row. Angel was lying to them, worried they'd nag. As he runs out with Gunn, Cordy and Wesley nag him in his dust proving him totally right this is problematic yeah. for me. i like angel getting over darla and what he says yeah. is completely true all i can do is be here for her when she makes the right choice and it's what let's face it we've been waiting for him to say the entire season of this yes. insane obsession with darla and it's one thing for him to continue to be obsessed it's another thing for the tv show to do what must be a self-aware bait and switch they yeah. must know by now that the audience is waiting for this story to be over, for yeah. Angel to genuinely get over the Darla thing that has afflicted him since the season premiere. Yes. We are now three months deep into this storyline, and it's not moving anywhere particularly mm-hmm. swiftly. It's bad enough that we're doing another Darla episode where we're continuing Angel's obsession. Yes. It's all the worse that the show basically teases us about it. <laughs> and says, hey, you know how much you want this to end? It's not over. And even without the extra textual considerations, Mm -hmm. I don't buy that version of Angel. I don't buy Angel lying to Cordelia and Wesley so they wouldn't nag him. That doesn't feel like a version of Angel with which I am particularly familiar at this point. (laughs) Well, Angel has been acting out of character kind of all season. And that's sort of part of the story because, you know, Darla had him under the like weird purple powder, you know, whammy. Um, But... 
at this point, like, he should be over that. She's not putting the whammy on him anymore. Why is he still behaving well, like this? She is still putting the whammy on him. It's just not mystical purple it's powder. It's not mystical purple powder whammy. <laughs> it is a new flavor of whammy. Uh, Darla, looking a little pale and sick, is putting on bright lipstick in a crappy hotel room, but then wipes it off. There's a knock at the door, and she turns to see Lindsay stepping into her room. Now, this is a hard left turn into mm-hmm. awesome, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. The whole scene in the Hyperion... I don't buy it. I don't like it. It doesn't work for me. This is great. I love how, you know, relatively speaking, grading on a curve, ugly, we are allowing Julie Benz to be in this episode. Right. She looks rough. Yeah. And that's brilliant. That Mm -hmm. is a really great and smart choice. I love the lipstick. I love the symbolism of the Mm -hmm. lipstick. I love the knock on the door. And I love the subversion of expectation. Yes. That it isn't Angel, that it's Lindsay. It's all just great. No, I, like I think that's all how gross and gritty mm-hmm. it's allowed to be. So I like very much that we play that straight. And I think that's going to echo through the episode. There is something about Darla's desperation mm-hmm. that I find completely compelling and really tragic. No, I do. And like I said, this is out of all of the Darla things. This is my favorite episode of Darla and is for exactly that, because it's not just her kind of doing some sort of weird thing under the thrall of Wolferman Hart. Mm -hmm. This is her really trying to figure out what the hell is going on with her. And she is no longer in control of what's happening either. So I I like that a lot. So we cut to credits and then come back in on Wolfram and Hart, where Darla asks Holland Mannards what they want from her. Manners says they didn't invite her there to discuss Angel She's not their prisoner. She's their moral responsibility. He hands her a folder. The information inside is obviously upsetting, although we don't know yet exactly what it is. (laughs) And they just thought that she should know. Yes, I'm having a little trouble, again, tracking exactly what Wolfram and Hart's plan is. I have no... What Wolfram and Hart's plan is in any of these episodes has always been beyond me. Here, though... They're revealing to her that she only has a few months to live. Yes. That she's Which still got that later. syphilis. At this point, because, we still don't know. Yes, but this is a reincarnation spell that apparently worked a little too well. Yes. <laughs> so she's got syphilis. Healed she's the dusting going to did die. not fix the syphilis. <laughs> right, exactly right. So she's going to die in three yes. months at most. Do they simply believe, and is the extent of their plan at this point, that a vampire version of Darla walking around Los Angeles will distract Angel enough that they can continue their nefarious business. Are we still in the, let's just throw spaghetti at the wall and see what distracts Angel phase of the operation? Because if they are, throwing actual spaghetti at an actual wall would probably work better. Might be more effective. Um, I think what the plan is, is that they know that she will turn to Angel and then they want Angel to turn her because this whole thing is about bringing Angel to the dark side. I think they want him on their team. Right. But, but I, think I don't, that see, this... or, or at least they want him as a force for chaos and evil yeah. in Los Angeles. Yeah. I don't understand why giving Darla this news and applying this pressure to her would lead Angel into darkness at this point. Well, none of it makes any sense. I mean, when you, you know, set off a plan to do something, you should be able to either react to anything that happens. You should have a bunch of like, you know, extra like contingency plans Mm -hmm. in place, or you should totally be able to control all of these elements. And a bad antagonist fails to do that, just does these things because from the protagonist's point of view, it puts pressure on the protagonist, but it doesn't make sense from the antagonist's point of view. Okay, I guess maybe there is one explanation. And maybe we're misunderstanding their plan because we are focused on 
Angel. Mm -hmm. Maybe this isn't about Angel at all. Maybe this isn't even about Darla at all. Maybe this is about Lindsay. Mm -hmm. Maybe making Darla more desperate is a test for Lindsay to see if he can be trusted, to see if he is still loyal to the company. Or if he's going to, as he eventually does, break all kinds of lines in order to (laughs) save this woman with whom he is falling in love. It is possible, but the fact that none of that is made textual shows me that whoever was telling the story doesn't really know either. Possibly. I mean, we don't necessarily need to know the antagonist's specific plan in order for a conflict to work. We just have to feel their presence, and we certainly feel their presence (laughs) in this episode. I'm just not sure the intent that underlines the plan. And of course, this is episode nine. Mm -hmm. We've been doing this for a few weeks now, you know, and I've never had a strong sense of what the Darla plan actually was. What is it? From episode to episode, we have these like really weird things that Darla's doing to Angel and none of it makes any sense from the point of view of the protagonist because I imagine, and you know, I might be wrong, but I imagine that it takes quite a bit of resources to dedicate to bring a dusted vampire back uh, from the everything dead. Everything we saw in it was the season huge. finale certainly implies that that is the case. Yeah. So, I mean, they have to. Like, this can't just be something like, oh, we're testing. You know, like, I mean, what is it that they want to do? What is it that they're trying to bring Angel to the dark side, but they're really not doing it in the, like, most efficient way possible? There is a possibility here. And I think that this is an unexplored avenue that would really work. And it's made all the worse because Angel actually references it in the episode. Mm-hmm. What would happen if Angel sired another vampire? What would happen if he actually turned Darla? Would that be enough to break his gypsy curse? Would it turn Darla into something else? Is there some kind of prophecy? If the plan here is to force Angel to turn Darla, then we have an interesting setup. Right. That works from a conflict perspective. Because, in particular, because it's subverted at the end of the episode right. by Lindsay's personal engagement with Darla. And well, his and decision, by Darla's presuming refusal. That the inclusion of Drusilla in this episode is yeah. Lindsay's sole plan. That is really interesting. But again, we get a gesture, we get a line that shows that someone somewhere did wonder hey, yeah. what happens if what happens? a vampire with a soul right. turns mm-hmm. someone into a vampire? But we don't pursue that. It's right there, but it's left on the table. Yeah, I think that it's just something that that wasn't thought through entirely from the perspective of the writing. And so then that makes the final product just a little bit muddy in this area. The other thing that I'll pull out about this opening scene with Lindsay, with Holland and with Darla is, as I said earlier, that it's shot like a soap opera, Mm -hmm. but it's also beautifully performed. Yeah, there Mm -hmm. are odd weaknesses and inconsistencies throughout this episode. I think everyone gives a really good performance. I don't think, I think any of do. the acting is at fault. Yeah, I think that they do. I'm I'm, I'm a little bit confused by uh, Bernard from Lost, uh, otherwise known as Sam Anderson, <laughs> who plays Holland Manners. Um, I think he is inconsistently written, but his yes. performances are always good. I like that actor a lot. Yeah, no, I completely agree. This is not necessarily the Holland Manners, as we've said before, that we saw at the end of the first season, but... This is a version of that character, but I think the individual performance is very good. No, it absolutely is. And Christian Kane, of course, 
Always reliable. Always real good. I never liked him at first, but God, I love him now. He's so good. He's like an acquired taste. I didn't like wine at first either, and we all know how I feel about that. (laughs) At Darla's crabby hotel room, Angel and Gunn inspect Darla's space. Gunn finds her cross necklace. Angel doesn't see any fresh blood, so hey, there's a bright side. I like the foreshadowing that we get here. Yes. We just have a completely unnecessary piece of business Mm -hmm. with the door. Yes. So that we can be reminded of the rules of inviting a vampire for maybe the hundredth. Have we? forgotten Time. about the, the rules of inviting a vampire if you're going to dedicate thing? an episode of angel to this kind of serialized story you don't need to reestablish the rules of invitation for vampires well not to mention that you know later in the episode the second angel comes up against the barrier and Lindsay says you can mm-hmm. come in i mean it's not just part of the buffy vampire world i mean that vampires have to be invited in is kind of general vampire lore anyway most people I think have some kind of tangential awareness of it Um, but also to explain that a motel room is a public space and that's why you can that, that if you are watching this episode for the first time if this is your first exposure to Angel you are not primarily confused about why he can enter her motel room no there's lots of other questions everything first exactly (laughs) so Speaking of confusing, let's go to France in 1765. Oh, do Oh, yes. Angelus and Darla ride a horse into a barn, a lynch mob at their heels. They decide to rest. Angelus hates the French. He wants to go to Romania. Angelus, that'll mean something later. Anyway, Angelus wants to know. <laughs> or previously. Or yes. previously, right? Angelus wants to know about this man, Holtz, who has chased them into barn-like animals. Darla suggests they engage in some animalistic instincts. Angelus is impressed by her ability to see the bright side of things, and just as he's about to indulge himself with her, a flaming arrow anchors itself into a support beam, and the game is on. We have talked a lot mm-hmm. about flashbacks in the Angel Darla story. I have generally, I think, been more positive about them yes. than you have. This is completely inessential. We learn nothing in these flashbacks that we didn't already know. We learn nothing in these flashbacks that we haven't already learned four or five times over. Yeah, well, of course, you know, just see every other comment I've had about these flashbacks all along the way. I think these, this, though, I think, is even less essential yes, than the other ones are. Yes, at least the others did give us the backstory. They gave us exposition. They mm-hmm. did communicate something about Angel and This Darla's doesn't tell us anything we didn't already know. Right, it doesn't yeah. even reach that low mm-hmm. threshold. Though, I guess... Stay tuned to the end of the episode for some spoiler discussion. A little bit of spoiler discussion, slightly (laughs) related to this, but not essential at all in this episode. At a bar in Los Angeles in modern times, Darla is engaged in another kind of game. She flirts with a mulleted vampire, the result of what (laughs) I can only imagine was an accidental siring. Darla flatters him, clearly desperate. The mullet is fairly new to the vamp trade, and she suggests he make her his mate, sire her to help him hunt and feed and do, you know, other things. He's worried about that level of commitment, not even having enough self-awareness to realize how much he'd be punching above his weight with Darla. But she says no strings, and he's all, "Mm, okay. So they go out to the back alley, and he gets a little nervous. She gives him step-by-step instructions, and just as he's about to bite, he turns to dust and there's Angel vamp blocking her. <laughs> vamp blocking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, the thing about this scene is that it works despite itself. Mm-hmm. When everything is in alignment in this episode, I think it, there is a real tension between the show's naturally lighter tone yeah. and Darla's tragic, tragic desperation. Yes. 
I give enormous credit to everyone involved for this scene, that it manages to work despite this juxtaposition of you know, thematic opposites. Mm -hmm. The comedy of the mulleted vampire who doesn't know what he's doing (laughs) and Darla's sincere desperation. No, I actually quite like this scene. And I like Darla in this episode because you know what? I know what she wants. I know why she's after it. It makes sense to me. (laughs) Um, Wolfram and Hart maybe don't make sense, but Darla finally does. I finally get what Darla's after. She's been brought back. She's dying. She has to get the show on the road. I like actually this whole thing. And I like the the um, conflict that she has with Angel. She tells him that she doesn't need his saving, but Angel, of course, is not having it. If he can't save her and she becomes a vampire, he'll have to save her from herself by staking her because that's saving her Never mind. It's a whole saving thing. It's very complicated. <laughs> Darla tries to leave. Everyone in this dive bar saw her leave with the mullet. She obviously can't go back in there. I mean, she does have her pride. Angel tries to talk her into giving being human a shot for a while, but Darla says she's dying. She's got about two months to live, and she's kind of in a hurry. Might I recommend Willie's Dive Bar in Sunnydale, where you can always find an amenable vampire? Oh, absolutely. One of the things Darla could do, mm-hmm. seems to me is leave Los Angeles. Sure. <laughs> she does. I mean, maybe she wouldn't want to go back to Sunnydale. Right. Bearing in mind that she knows all about the Slayer, but there are other alternatives. I like the idea that there's a vamp bar in every town. Yeah, no. I like very much the incidental dialogue that we get leading up to mm-hmm. their exit from the bar into the alley. And I like how emotionally and morally complicated Angel's position is. Yeah. It would be wrong to turn her because then he would have to stake her, which is the right thing to do. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a very difficult, and, and it's also, you know, in part at least, about him. It's mm-hmm. about his desire to not be lonely. He's the one that is constantly drawing this connection yeah. between himself and Darla. I find that stuff really interesting. And I find yeah. that an absolutely, you know, worthy and consistent evolution of the story. This is, for me... A logical next step. I think this is the high point of the episode, this pair of scenes inside and outside the bar. Well, this is the best part of the whole Angel and Darla thing so far, is this essential conflict between them. You're right, because here she has a goal, he has a goal, we understand what those goals are, and we understand why they're in opposition. Exactly. No one's keeping secrets, there's no mystery here, the conflict is real. Mm-hmm. And I like that very much. No, I absolutely do like it. It's just the the build up to it for me has been less than fun. But now we're finally here. I'm actually happy with it. But let's go back to the burning barn in 1765, <laughs> shall we? Angelus and Darla are surrounded by fire while outside Holtz and his men gather. They'll never make it to the hills by sunrise, not by foot. Angel wants to go out all butch and Sundance style, metaphorical <laughs> guns blazing, but Darla has a better idea, living to bite another day. She knocks Angelus to the ground with a block of wood and throws a half-hearted wish for his survival behind her as she rides the only horse out of the barn, proving once again that you don't need to be faster than the insane vampire-fighting mob, just faster than the other vampire. And suddenly it makes sense to me why they hold Drusilla around with them for all that time. Exactly! That's your contingency plan. Because then you've got somebody to throw in the way of the vampire mob. If business goes bad, we just leave Drusilla behind. We just just throw glitter at her and run. (laughs) That suddenly makes sense. Yeah, there's nothing. There's Mm -hmm. nothing here. I've really looked at this trying to find some textual connection between this scene and the rest of the episode. Yes, technically, I suppose, Darla leaves Angel possibly to die. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't, and we already know that because we know the rest of the story. We know what happens when well, they do eventually go here. back to Romania. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I'm not sure what we're supposed to get because 
Darla sacrificing Angelus to escape, if anything, only weakens the story that they shared. Angelus leaving Darla behind yeah. would absolutely play into his this guilt, thematic his undercurrent. Regret, exactly. His regret, his The fact that absolutely. he allegedly never loved her. That which he is needs really to save her. Exactly. But for that, Angelus needs to leave Darla behind yes. and not vice versa. What is this scene doing? It's doing nothing but undercutting everything that we've got going on. It is weird. I just, you know, I like to just whistle past the flashbacks and pretend they didn't happen. <laughs> I mean, okay, but I kind of think that the purpose of the podcast is to delve into them a little bit. Oh, just because it's my job. Throw that in my <laughs> face, why don't you? Speaking of jobs, at the Hyperion, Cordy and Wesley welcome Angel and Darla to their hotel. It's interesting that you say speaking of jobs. <laughs> what do Cordelia and Wesley do all day? They sit around and read magazines. They haven't been investigateering right. for pretty much this entire season. And the thing is that we have modern telecommunications. Being on call is possible while you're at your house. <laughs> Are they just getting paid a stipend or something for being at the Hyperion, do you think? I guess I think it's just where they hang out because they don't really have anything else to do. No. I'm guessing. I don't know. So anyway, Darla comes in. She's dying. Cordy is relieved it's going to be a short stay. <laughs> Angel informs them that Wolfram and Hart show Darla some medical files, supposedly proving that she's only got a few months to live. But David Bor- Mariana says supposedly here instead of supposedly, and now I can't focus. Supposedly. Jesus, Boreanaz, have some damn pride. Anyway, and here's the thing, too. Why, <laughs> when he says supposedly, and let me just tell you something. I know he said it because I rewound it and I looked at it like five times and the man says supposedly. How is it possible that we don't have another shot of him saying that correctly? Yeah. How is it possible that nobody said, hey, supposedly isn't a word. How is it possible that he didn't see that episode of Friends with Matt LeBlanc doing the whole episode about supposedly, supposedly, supposedly? How did that not happen? Which was absolutely in the pop culture consciousness. At, at that time. In it 2000, was yeah. Yes, no, exactly. Of course, you couldn't not be aware of that episode of Friends. That, I think, is one of the few parts of Friends that has persisted beyond that show's final conclusion. Yes. You're absolutely right. The question here is, why didn't we have another shot? Why didn't we have another take? How many of these takes were one and done because honestly that would explain a lot about the way the episode is shot and it may be that that's not the fault of right. Seth Green given his previous work I would be almost certain in fact that it's not his fault mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of time pressure was being applied to this show at this point it is possible that they ran late last week that they ran late next week yeah. it's possible that the trial sequence of this episode simply occupied so much time mm-hmm. that the shots around it had to be squeezed in wherever they could be fit yeah i don't know why we don't have another take i don't know why no one noticed that he says supposedly <laughs> but he supposedly. super says supposedly <laughs> super does and i'm just gonna have to get over it because it just is one of those things that i was like i can't i can't even with this all right anyway i'm back deep breath angel is skeptical certain that this whole medical file thing is a trick wesley isn't sure what kind of mind game wolfram and hart would be up to with information like that but then again we haven't understood anything else that wolfram and hart has been doing this season so whatever and cordy reminds us that there are lawyers they operate at a very high level of evil doing this is the problem yeah. again we get a reference to the problem with the episode but we hand wave it away with a joke exactly this is the opportunity to actually put some thought into the underlying conflict here 
and resolve it. And figure out what it is that they are actually yeah. trying to Rather do. Rather than just, well, they're lawyers. Well, Oink. they're lawyers, so there's just it's just evil. That's yeah. all it is, just random evil. Angel leaves Cordy and Wesley to watch over Darla. They hesitate, but agree. Angel tells Darla that she's not a prisoner, and then leaves. As soon as he's gone, Cordy and Wesley let Darla know that she's no totally a prisoner. <laughs> she's been messing with Angel for a while now. They don't trust her, and they will hurt her if she tries to leave. As Willow has noted before... A vague disclaimer is nobody's friend. Do you like this scene? Do I like, Do you like this scene? Wesley and Cordelia slowly advancing on Darla, doing I, this bounce back and forth. I, okay, I like Wesley and Cordy working together. I mm-hmm. like that Wesley and Cordy are not spending whatever time they've got bickering with each other. Um, the there's this thing that Angel is doing, the whole, oh, I'm sniffing the laundry, I'm completely over it. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, you're not a prisoner. Oh, yes, you are. Like, this kind of instant ironic cut, mm-hmm. you know, instant ironic turn of whatever it is that we're talking about um, is a nice device, and I don't mind it. I feel like it's a little overused, and it makes these scenes feel kind of a little cheap. I don't know. Is that what you're getting here? Yeah, it's a cheapness that is born of, I think, a certain insubstantial mm-hmm. Quality to the script. I think that there's very little underlying this. Cordelia has a real grudge against Darla, or should have a real grudge against Darla, if we remembered at all, Mm -hmm. ever, that Darla was in Buffy. That she did show up at the beginning of the first season. Mm -hmm. That I believe it was Darla who ordered Luke to feed on Cordelia. Yes. So Cordelia would be carrying a grudge, Mm -hmm. but for various technical reasons... We're completely skimming over the fact that Darla was ever in Sunnydale at all. Mm-hmm. We've talked before about the plausible necessity for flashbacks to Darla's dusting. Yes! Let's focus less on her life with Angel mm-hmm. and more on her death at his hands. But for technical reasons, for production reasons, for logistical reasons, we're not going back to that. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, but that leaves this feeling a little poorly motivated. Right. I mean, no, if these flashbacks had led to him abandoning her in the barn and then we had another flashback to him killing her in Buffy, Mm -hmm. then his guilt over everything that he'd done, that he was with her for that long, that he never loved her, that, uh, you know, all of that. He shouldn't feel guilt over staking her. Mm Mm-hmm. But he should feel a reluctance to have to do that again. But he would feel guilt over staking her. Like, this is the kind of thing that, like, maybe he shouldn't. He was right to kill her in Buffy. But I still think that Angel generally, like, feels this guilt over everything that he does. Sometimes he doesn't have good choices to make. And he has to, you know. was pretty irredeemable by that point. Which I think is one of the reasons that we're not going back to that. Because it's very tough to... Give us an angel who feels conflicted about that particular yeah. version of well, Darla. All of it together and then killing her, just yeah. whether or not she together, deserved it or not. I think there's something I think to that. that. Yeah, I think that at least that would give us some kind of anchoring in what's going on with yeah. Angel now. Because honestly, Angel's obsession with saving her is a little bit beyond my comprehension at this point. I basically buy it on the strength of the performances mm-hmm. and on the strength of this this chemistry, this this strong, deep, profound connection between the two of them this shared unique history there Mm -hmm. are so few people that angel has been connected to in his long life and darla is number one with a bullet so there's a lot there but we're not getting the opposing viewpoint and we're not getting the complete story which leaves our peripheral characters motivated only by their concern for angel yes which is somewhat less thorough less comprehensive than we might want it to be It's a decent scene. Mm -hmm. It's a nice scene, but it's almost 
squandered potential. I feel as though there should be more there, particularly coming from Cordelia. Although, you could also bring in Wesley. Wesley, who has faced vampires before. Mm -hmm. Wesley, who has strong opinions about the nature of good and evil and demonic possession. Oh, sure. Wesley should have a perspective on this Mm -hmm. that isn't just related to his friendship with and loyalty to Angel. Yeah, I mean... I can see them both, you know, having a problem with Darla because of that. And I can see them saying, yeah, you're our prisoner. What I think bothers me about it is that we go absolutely nowhere with it. There is absolutely no No. consequence. She doesn't try to leave and they don't try to stop her. We don't see any of that in the rest of the episode. This is purely just a turn on the joke. Right. And we end up with Cordelia and Wesley functioning and and Gunn occasionally Mm -hmm. functioning as little more than a Greek chorus. Yeah. They're, Mm -hmm. They're comic relief. And that's... That's less than deserving for both of them. Well, especially because I think the tension between them and Angel is something that can also be used to ratchet up the internal pressure going here. You know, rather than going back in time, I would rather than any flashbacks at all, you know, have us try to understand this, have have see Wesley Gunn and Cordelia really questioning you know, Angel's judgment. I think there's definitely an approach there. Ordinarily, the flashbacks don't add that much Mm -hmm. but i can see why you would be interested in in portraying those scenes at least these flashbacks in this episode are something else entirely they actively undercut where we are now absolutely okay so now we're at Lindsay's, and angel kicks the door down so he can commence with his plan of yelling that Lindsay from the hallway (laughs) what is what is the next line out of his mouth yeah i can't come in there Lindsay, but I swear, I'm going to make it really hard for you to get your mail. I am going to sing Barry Manilow until you lose your mind. Yeah. Um, I don't know what his plan was. 15 minutes then? But, you know, whatever his plan was, I think a phone call probably would have done about the same thing. (laughs) But, you know, Lindsay calmly finishes his scotch and tells Angel to wipe his feet on his way in. Angel, of course, then grabs Lindsay by the throat and smashes him to the bar. Lindsay tells him that, yes, Darla is dying. It's all true. Syphilis is what she was dying from before being vamped the first time. And she'll continue to die from it now. Angel realizes that Lindsay's got a thing for Darla, and he thinks it's kind of funny. Lindsay wants Angel to turn Darla, but Angel wants to know how long Lindsay thinks it'll be before Darla hunts him down and has a nice meal. As fun as that would be, Angel will find another way. Another strong scene, yeah. I think. We've got a strong scene-level conflict. Yeah. I like both of these characters. I like, or at least I am convinced by, mm-hmm. their mutual antagonistic devotion to Darla. Yes. I think it works. And Lindsay as a badass. Lindsay in this unflappable mode, Mm -hmm. I like very much. I like the combination of him being completely unperturbed by Angel and the threat of immediate physical violence. Exactly. But also completely destroyed by the fact that he has fallen in love with Darla. Mm -hmm. That's really strong. It's wonderful and complex and crunchy and interesting and I really, really like this moment too. I think it's really good. Uh, But then of course Angel returns to the Hyperion with bad news. Darla's totally dying. So before he shows up here, Cordelia and Wesley are having this discussion and Cordelia says, after 400 years of death and destruction, seems to me you get voted off the island. Yes. And she says that (laughs) because the very first season of Survivor had finished airing in August of 2000, this episode aired in November of 2000, but it would have been shooting shortly after the first season of Survivor had aired when the whole concept of getting voted off the island was absolutely in the pop culture. Mm -hmm. Once again, Cordelia 
our pop culture barometer. I know. I love it. I think that's great. <laughs> Outside in the courtyard, Angel finds Darla sniffing night-blooming Jasmine with her 24-hour crazy. She sees on his face that it's all true, and she rushes off to find another mullet. Angel stops her, trying to talk her out of it, and she asks him to turn her again. Angel says that's not the answer, and Darla says she doesn't know what the answer is, and Angel says she does. She just doesn't know she knows, you know? And it's off to Caritas, where Darla sings a jazzy little rendition of Ill Wind while Angel and Lorne watch. Lorne isn't sure this girl can be saved. Angel is determined to save her. Lorne is determined to deliver exposition that explains how he sent Angel to a bad swami the last time they met, blah, blah, blah. Back on topic, Lorne says Darla got 400 years. That's more than most people. Angel says she never had a chance. Lorne says there may only be one way to save Darla. It's a bit of a quest. Angel will probably die. Angel is all for it. I like the scene in Caritas. I like very much that Julie Benz is singing her own song. And again, it's allowed to be a little imperfect. Mm -hmm. She is clearly a very good singer. (laughs) She's doing a great job of the song, but it's not polished. Yes. And I like that we're we're kind of striking this middle ground. We're striking at an authenticity for Darla Mm -hmm. here. It's not polished and perfect, which it could be. And it's also not comedically bad, yes. which it could be. Mm-hmm. It's just vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I yes. like that that's very much. That's what I much. like a lot, too. This is why I like Darla in this episode. Yeah. Because she's motivated and she's vulnerable and everything makes sense that she's doing. Anyway. Yeah, that um, whole thing, I think, works pretty well. We do have the nod toward Angel turning her. And now I'm kind of preoccupied because we don't know what happens if a vampire with a soul turns someone into a vampire. What happens if a vampire with a mullet turns someone into a vampire? Oh my is goodness. that how mullets happen? I guess maybe that is how mullets happen. That would explain a lot of the 90s. It really would. Yeah, no, it really would. Ugh, that was bad. Alright, later outside, <laughs> Darla and Angel stand in front of an empty pool. Okay, this is nitpicky, <laughs> but it makes me crazy. Lorne gives Angel the address right. of the place where he needs to go. They show up to a swimming pool why does this swimming pool have an address? With a mailbox. Why? Because there's a family of beavers that lives there. And it's... beavers have addresses, the... as we know. Well, okay, this is the world with demons, so okay, give me the beavers with addresses. This is where <laughs> the episode yeah. goes violently off the rails. If you can just sit back and enjoy the moment-to-moment action mm-hmm. through the rest of the episode, through the back half of the episode, then awesome. Yeah. I think that there's enough there There's enough going on. There are enough clever ideas that you can enjoy it and be buoyed along by it and and get something really satisfying from the episode. Mm -hmm. If you stop to think about the where and the why and the how and the who of this, Mm -hmm. the entire episode falls apart. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that you can't poke at it too much or it will just disintegrate. What on earth is going on here? (laughs) What? is this why is there a portal at the bottom of a pool someone presumably built that pool at some point yes what is going on to be a portal to to a trial and we're casually invoking cosmic level powers Mm -hmm. in the angel verse which is something that up until now we've been very careful with you know we've been very careful with the powers that be with the oracles well it reminds me a little bit of the oracles you have to go through you have to do this whole thing but at least that was you know sufficiently mystical it was given context by doyle here we get a line from lorne about how dangerous it's going to be and nothing else that's really tough i couldn't be on board with this well and even then i mean the thing with the oracles was okay and we got out of it pretty well but it was like a little bit too much power 
Yeah. You know, and the idea that this thing is accessible, you know, if of course you need to take this leap of faith and and whatever, but it feels like a little bit too much power anytime you want to like change also, something, you know. It really feels like the end of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> All right, so Darla reasonably is pretty sure they're in the wrong place. Angel is pretty sure he's being tested. I'm not eager to trust the word of a guy who says supposedly, but whatever. You're going to have to let that go, sweetie. Okay, eventually I will, but it's just going to take a little time. All right, I'm only human angel steps up to the diving board and darla thinks he's crazy which he is because he dives in head first and of course lands in a dungeon it's a classy dungeon with an english butler and electric lighting but you know a dungeon okay first off yes. i do like angel's approach to death here <laughs> like i think either i'm gonna dive in somewhere or you're gonna see something really funny That's i did a like good line. that line yes and then he dives in head first yes he doesn't need to dive in head first he could just jump in. Yes. And then the worst thing that's going to happen to him probably is a broken leg. Exactly. <laughs> no, no. Angel commits. And I like <laughs> that about his character. The other thing that I like very much here, Jim Piddock. Yes. Jim Piddock has been in one million things. He has been in literally every TV show. He is fantastic. He always basically plays this character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love him a great deal. One of my favorite memories of Jim Piddock is when he is playing the father of Charlie's girlfriend, Lucy, in Lost. Do you remember that? Oh, oh my, oh my God. Right. Wow. No, I had Jim to put Piddock, that together. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh my goodness. That's very cool. He's good stuff. Oh, I want to watch Lost again. Okay. <laughs> anyway. So this butler, we'll call him Jeeves, is impressed with Angel's faith. Now it's time to test his valor. Darla is suddenly in the dungeon. She's his collateral. If he completes all three trials, she'll be made whole. Okay. Again, three trials. Mm-hmm. He did pass the test of faith to get in. That's a pre-trial. Right. Just so long as we're clear. <laughs> that's the pre-trial. Okay. That's the that's getting through the bouncer <laughs> at the door. That's nothing. That's nothing compared to what he's about. It's just your warm-up trial. Exactly. So we got these three trials. If he fails, she dies, he dies. It's really whole dying thing. Jeeves offers Darla a lovely iced beverage while she waits and then disappears. Angel isn't ready to risk Darla's life, but Jeeves says he already did the moment he walked in. Technically didn't walk in, technically dove in, but you know, whatever. Sure. He takes Angel's shirt and shoes, but not his pants, because this is network television. <laughs> Angel strips and asks for a hint. Jeeves gives him a tip for the first trial, but he can't offer any advice on the other two. No one's ever survived the first. Jeeves disappears, and a big green leather-clad Hell's Angel-looking demon busts in, and the games begin. I mean, I don't want to be, you know, label guy. Yeah. But that is just an orc, it's, right? We're all World of Warcraft up in this business. That, that is That's just right. an orc. It just seems like an orc. I kind of like it. I like it, too. I think it's good. <laughs> in the antechamber, Darla demands that Jeeves let her see what's going on. He touches her forehead, gives her the sight, and she watches Angel and Biker Demon go at it. Okay. Why is it necessary for us to have all of these cutaways to Darla reacting to things that she can't really see and thus can't really emote over? I don't understand but the But she necessity. is seeing them. He's well, given her this psychic window. She's kind of seen them, but she as an actress, Julie Bands as an actress, isn't having anything to react to. There's nothing in the scene. Mm-hmm. So she's left with these very tight close-ups on her face. Again, very soap opera camera yes. work through some of this stuff. <laughs> and she's just gasping. Yes. We can tell, I think, when something is dangerous for Angel <laughs> without cutting away to see Darla gasp. Yeah. It feels like a really weird and kludgy solution to the problem 
Well, t- solution to a problem which isn't there because we're already watching Angel. When we cut away to Darla, we're actually cutting the tension rather than increasing it because the fact that Darla's worried about this really is not our biggest concern. Exactly right. Yeah, so I don't know. It's it's just another weird choice in a very weird episode. Anyway, things don't look good for Angel, but after a little playful game of hide and seek, he cuts the biker demon in half. Darla looks relieved, but the look on Jeeves's face can only be described as bitch please angel goes to the metal bars that block the exit and calls for them to be opened but then biker opens his eyes and reassembles himself and the game is once again afoot angel cuts him in half again chains both halves of biker on opposite sides of the chamber and that is it it's good yeah it's a decent fight scene Mm -hmm. the solution is imaginative it's pretty well represented the special effects are decent for (laughs) angel at that time oh sure Mm -hmm. the whole thing kind of works no i like it i think it's great in the antechamber darla accuses jeeves of getting sexual pleasure from watching this stuff jeeves couldn't care less and he's kind of surprised at darla's investment which kind of surprises me because you know she's gonna die if this all goes south i would have liked very much i think for there to be more to darla throughout this entire act she is left completely reactive Mm -hmm. as angel is engaged in the trials i would have liked to have seen her being the manipulator of people that we've seen her be I would like before. to see her working on Jeeves exactly. trying to find a way through it trying to find and I would really like it if something that she did made a difference I think that know? might be why her gift of the sight yeah. why her reaction shots bother me so much mm-hmm. she should be doing something this is Darla Darla yeah. is scrappy Darla is a survivor there is someone here who obviously has power if not authority and she should be playing up to that. No, she should be taking be, action herself. It would be fantastic if this was like a Coliseum kind of thing, right? You know, where we've got the people watching everything happen in the pit below, sort of like the ring, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so where she's watching, where she can maybe shout things at Angel, where she can maybe do something. I'm you not know? sure this is made more understandable by the inclusion of a giant audience i'm not quite sure <laughs> well, not a giant audience but space for the audience in which darla is yeah, watching it's possible there yeah. are there are ways of changing this so that there are things so that darla can have some kind of action there's really nothing that but she, she could, can do at this moment aside from snack well, no, she and if could. she's going to ask for a site shouldn't she ask for something that actually gives her days of our lives or something that she can watch and she, can she just should relax. be taking action with mm-hmm. jeeves he's yeah. right there in he's the room right there. Yeah. they could be talking So meanwhile, Angel progresses from the initial chamber into a hallway with a skylight, a floor made of crosses, and a large chalice with a key to the only door submerged in holy water. This place is feeling seriously (laughs) anti-vampire. Angel reaches into the chalice and gets the key going through the door. Jeeves is impressed, and so is Darla. Yeah, it's all getting a little little crystal maze here. It's all getting a little... Oh, you didn't have crystal maze in the U.S. Uh, Uh, Legends of the Forbidden Temple? Yeah, I I still don't know what you're talking about. Uh, American Gladiators. Oh okay. oh, okay. Okay. No, now I get it. Now I get it. It's all getting a little mid-90s game show is what I'm saying. Oh, sure it is. Is it a little weird, though, that we have, like, the holy water and we have the floor made of crosses, but moonlight, no not sunlight coming no through the idea. skylight. I know it was nighttime when they dived in the pool, but the thing is that it's magical, mystical This is the thing. There are no place. rules. Yeah. We can't imagine that this is just the second trial and only vampires have trouble with it, that seems implausible, right? right? So this must be able to change its shape. The trials must be different for each individual. Specialized for whoever, But we've got no sense of the rules of this world or who created this or why. Mm -hmm. 
it just doesn't hold up to any kind of active scrutiny at all. In a more conventional episode of Angel, we would have spent the first act of the episode setting this up. Yes, exactly. Who created the trial? Who oversees the trial? Mm -hmm. Who is the administrator? Who is the the, the valet? Who Mm -hmm. leads people through the trial? What is it? Here, it's introduced with a gesture at the end of the second act yeah. and we get no more information about it out of whatsoever nowhere. and that's even more frustrating when we get to the end of the episode and it has and almost Jim Piddick no shrugs yeah. and walks off into the night and that's it exactly I- I'm so frustrated no by it is the complete failure of world building surrounding this trial that it makes me it makes it impossible for me to enjoy no it. it's one of these things that like oh wouldn't it be cool if but we don't build the surrounding right. story to support it so so we're in the third challenge now and as angel walks down a long hallway chains whip out of the walls attached to angel's ankles and wrists splaying him out jeeves applauds angel's fortitude but there's one last challenge and it's a moving wall sporting wooden stakes at about every eight inches or so angel protests at how this seems less like a trial and more like just a killing. Jeeves says the final challenge is death. They can't restore one life without taking another. In order for Darla to live, Angel must die. From the antechamber, Darla tells Angel not to do it and everyone in the viewing audience agrees. (laughs) Back in the hallway, Jeeves says that Angel can walk away and he'll be allowed to go. They can't proceed without his permission. Angel says to go ahead, trading his life for Darla's. Jeeves asks why Angel would trade his existence for Darla's. After all, the world is better for having Angel in it. Darla? Eh. Angel tells Jeeves to get with the staking and the stakes shoot out of the wall. Darla screams and Angel shows up whole, with all his clothes on, in the antechamber. Jeeves congratulates Angel by choosing death, he gets life. Angel tells Jeeves to heal Darla and he tries, but he can't. Okay, we'll get to all of that business in a moment. I do very much like that the final trial is choice. Mm -hmm. That speaks to one of the core thematic tenets of Angel as a TV show. Yes. It's about the choice you make. It's about deciding why you do the thing that you do. I like that very much. It takes us a long time to get there, and then it's completely undercut. I like it, too. I I don't like that we undercut the choice. You know, like, if you make the choice, and then it's it's that you made the choice that matters. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I understand that, but I feel like here, you know, you're going to have you're going to have death. Oh, just kidding. You know, like for me, it feels it feels like a weird thing no, to introduce that. that and then doesn't not bother follow me so much on it. because there's no frame to it. There's no, well, maybe you'll die, too. Are you ready to maybe die? Mm-hmm. It's absolute certainty that's presented to Angel. And he makes the and choice. He, he chooses this anyway. I don't believe that Angel would make that choice. I don't believe that this angel at this point would make that Especially choice. if he could just leave. But if he leaves, but she not, dies. It's not just that. He yeah. knows about the prophecy. He knows that he is mm-hmm. a warrior of the powers that be. He knows that there is a coming apocalypse. And very likely the only vampire with a soul. Exactly yes. right. Mm-hmm. So he knows that he has a major role to play. That is where we left the first season, and that's the foundation we built on at the beginning of the second season. So let's season. sacrifice the rest of the world for Darla. Yeah. yeah. He can't. Mm-hmm. He can't. That would be a fundamentally irresponsible choice for him to make i like very much the idea of self-sacrifice i like very much this romantic idea that you Mm -hmm. sacrifice yourself to save the one that you love or to save the one to whom you owe some obligation yes i like that very much he can't choose death though Mm -hmm. because he knows that there's more in his future than that he can't sentence the entire world to you know the apocalypse right 
because he wants to save Darla. Well, the other thing, too, is that we see this moment where Angel's choosing death. But, you know, from the perspective of the audience, with the extra textual knowledge that he is currently starring in the show, called Angel. You know, we know he's well, going right. to survive. Like, that invalidates any threat that of takes death. Out, that takes out that attention. Well, the thing is, if there no, was no, no. a threat of something it else. Doesn't. No, it yeah. absolutely doesn't. You can be convinced in the moment that the protagonist of your show, the eponymous protagonist <laughs> of your show, can die. Storytelling can do that. Mm-hmm. You can be so caught up in it that you don't know that Angel's going to make it through this fight. You don't know that Buffy's going to make it through this fight. You are in it at that moment. I think you're right from a, you know, critical post-game perspective. Yeah. That's maybe you know a fair criticism. I think it but adds in the moment, to all of the things in this moment. Then yeah. you believe it. Yeah, yeah. no, you're right. It, it's it's a cumulative it's effect. It's one more thing right. that that takes away from this. That makes this a very tough, you know, game to play yeah. at this point. And then we have the largest narrative shrug. Oh, that my I think God. I have ever seen. Right. So Jeeves goes to heal Darla, but he can't. She's already been given new life by supernatural means when Wolfram and Hart brought her back in that box. And you can only get one stroll around that particular paranormal block. Boy, is Jeeves' face red. Turns out the last 15 minutes of the episode were all for nothing. Stairs apparate out of nowhere. And Jeeves says that perhaps they should have read the fine print in the three trials. Eula, but angels all know one ever reads the effing Eula, man. I live forever. I don't even read the Eula. But Jeeves, like Apple really doesn't care. He fades away and a couple of demons step in for the sole purpose of giving Angel something to beat on, yeah. I guess. Because my understanding is we finish the trial, everybody goes free, and that's it. But we have these two demons that yeah. just sort of run in. These are just, you know, janitorial staff. These are just, they're like, we're just here to clean up. And Angel's so mad he just beats them up because they're demons. Yes, Angel Demonist. losing his yes. temper at this point, mm-hmm. not maybe his, his finest moment. The problem is, you know, the joke about the Eula is a yeah. good one. <laughs> We should have had the Eula. Exactly. We should have had <laughs> sufficient world building so that this turn at the end of the episode was somehow foreshadowed. Right. And not just introduced out of nowhere. If we had done mm-hmm. the regular Buffy slash Angel thing of having the team investigate, having the team do the research, perhaps there is some, you know, Wesley in the beginning of the second sure. act introduces some interesting and ambiguous language. Yeah. That's all you need no, to make this entire thing let's work. Let's do something with the trial. I mean, this is called the trial. Let's do something with the trial that actually makes this Wolfram and Hart's endgame. That this is what Lindsay points Angel to. Um, make it part of the story and have it actually have consequence. I think still, it could have earned its space. Possibly, but there would still need to be a lot of a lot of world building. No, we would have needed the world building for, for too. But the we who could, and the what and the why and the where. We could have done that much earlier in the episode. We could sure. have had Wesley and Cordy saying, "No, don't do this. It's incredibly stupid." And Angel deciding to do it anyway, which mm-hmm. is you know pretty much par for the course. But now we have Angel, you know, throw things around the room, um, knocking everything over, pounds on the rock wall, collapses to the floor in a weepy heap. Which, when you remember the Angel was the guy who dusted Darla in the first place without a second thought. Feels a little drama queeny to me, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's nothing there. You can't even poke holes in that. It is a mist. Yes. It, it is impossible it really to is. kind of take that seriously now because we have so de emphasized that part of his relationship with Darla. Yeah. We've I transformed know. their relationship into something it's else. It's a missed opportunity, is, I think. I think it is. Yeah. But it is something that the show can do. The show can choose, particularly because Angel was so profoundly enigmatic in the first season of Buffy. We really and didn't know anything Darla about him or Darla. his thought process. Darla right, was true. just another vampire. They had some mention of history, sure. but there wasn't really much there. Darla so was can, not Darla in the beginning of Buffy. There's yeah. space to refocus their relationship sure. on the time that they were together rather than the time 
that he staked her. I mean, you're right, but this isn't substantial also, enough to do to do either yeah, with. I think he she was a vampire when he staked her, but like, uh, but I like. I like the pressure that their history puts on the relationship, but I feel like what we get in the flashbacks doesn't really apply that pressure properly. So it's like we're getting these flashbacks, which we could use, but we're not using them in the way that actually would apply the narrative pressure needed in order to like build this up. So it just feels to me like a whiff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So at a cheap motel, Darla and Angel hang out and Angel thinks about turning Darla. After all, he's got a soul. It might make her into some kind of new soul having vampire. And if we've learned anything from Angel's centuries of brooding torment, it's that being a vampire with a soul isn't so bad. Darla refuses. She gets it now. She saw Angel in the trials. She understands how much he cares. And that's enough for her. Angel's a little pissed at the powers that be for bringing her back only to let her die again, but she's cool with it. She can die the way she was supposed to die in the first place. Angel says he'll stay by her side for every minute. She'll never be alone again. Darla cries on his shoulder and then the door busts open and a bunch of guys tase and tape Angel while a few others grab Darla. In walks Lindsay, who grabs Angel by the hair and asks him how he thought this would end. Angel doesn't answer. Then Drusilla comes in, turns Darla in front of everyone, and I think most of us can say we weren't expecting that. Except Here's, those of us who've seen the show before, but you know, whatever. Sure. Yes. <laughs> this is the thing. This is the redemption of the episode. I love what this part good of the there episode. there is in the episode yes. is in this last five mm-hmm. minutes. Darla accepting, making her peace, and the tragedy of her making that choice. Yeah. That all works beautifully. I mean, you might question whether or not Angel could really be restrained by two apparently normal-looking dudes. Well, you know, he's been tased. Sure, and we need it for narrative convention. That's fine. Right, right, right. <laughs> the whole thing works, I think. Drusilla is a genuine surprise. Mm-hmm. That is a really strong use of that character. I think that the turning of Darla is given necessary space. Mm-hmm. And we have, albeit only in the preceding two minutes, really built up the tragedy that we're about to see. No, this is, see, this is the thing that I love about this. Like, this closing scene is fantastic. I love the fact that Angel, although I don't believe it, but I mean, I like it that, you know, Darla here, she's been fighting this whole time. She wants Angel to turn her, right? And he won't do it. Mm -hmm. I would have rather had Darla working on Angel the whole time saying, I need you to do this. And he says, no, we'll find another way. They get to the trials. They do the thing. She sees what happens. He finally, in the end, is so desperate that he's like, well, maybe... I can turn you, you know, maybe it won't be so bad. Maybe you'll have a soul too, you know, all this kind of stuff. He's so desperate. And she says, no, like you finally get what you want. And then she says, no. And then at that moment, that's when Wolfram and Hart comes in, brings in Drusilla and turns Darla. Okay. But in broad strokes, that's, I mean, exactly what we got. No, but we didn't. (laughs) It wasn't done. In broad strokes. (laughs) In broad strokes. No, but it wasn't focused. It wasn't done well. We didn't get history that put this additional pressure on Angel for why he would care so much about what happens to Darla, who, let's face it, wasn't a big prize when she was human. But you're litigating the last, like, three episodes in the Darla saga, as well as this episode. No, And all of that is true Mm -hmm. and fair. This turn... I think works about as well, given the material that we've got, given the terroir from which these grapes have grown, (laughs) this works out about as well as it possibly could. I love the intensity of it. I love the very low-key, very mundane, very domestic brutality of Mm -hmm. it. It really works. And thank God they didn't give Juliette Landau a line. Oh, yeah. I think that having a Drusilla line 
at the end of this episode would would just turn the tone enough exactly. it would make it just that it would bring us back to what uh, mullet vamp was saying out in the alley yes. about Anne Rice readers exactly. and Anne Rice vampires yeah Drusilla is a bit much we know she's crazy we usually use that for mm-hmm. fun we don't use Drusilla as frightening as much as we could in the beginning when she first came into Buffy she was just creepy and weird and then she became sort of a joke like whenever we see her show up, she's she's more funny than she sure. is really creepy and weird and dangerous. I like dangerous Drusilla here. I like creepy Drusilla here. I think you're absolutely right. Giving her any line would have made this yeah like this Similarly? is this is balancing on a knife's edge as right. it is. But they do manage to do it, and I think no, it's I think fantastic. they landed. I, think I love this moment. It's really really yeah. strong, and I think that this is why this episode has the positive reputation that it has, the yeah. generally positive reputation that it has it ends on a among real good Angel note. fans. Mm-hmm. It ends really well, and it sets up stuff that's going to be a lot of fun over the course of the next few weeks. Exactly. This is when we finally get things, you know, this right. is when I'm I'm in. This, this is the point, end of, of Human Darla, of the saga, weird, and we move into something yeah. that's much more much more assertively and confidently structured. Oh, yeah. No, there's real good stuff. absolutely necessary. I also applaud the restraint it would have been, I'm sure, enormously tempting to include Drusilla in the previously on Angel yes. segment right at the beginning of the show, particularly the flashback line that we got, I could be your mommy. Yes. I love that mm-hmm. we didn't include that. I love that we let her be a genuine surprise. And as we've said before, here we withhold Juliet Landau's name yeah. to the closing credits. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's I a really love strong choice. That too. And that's something that we have to commend Juliet Landau and her agent on allowing sure. that to happen because that's like a, Though, a legal thing. Again, yeah. This is an episode that rests upon Drusilla showing up at the end and without a word turning Darla. Oh my God. This is not an episode for people who haven't been watching all no, of Angel. We enough. do not need to explain the rules of invitation, you guys. Yes. I think that if you're going to tell this level of serialized story, mm-hmm. commit to the bit. Yeah. Tell the story. But if you're going to do that, you also need to pull in those elements that long-term viewers are very familiar with. Mm-hmm. It baffles me that there's no reference to the Shanshu prophecy Yeah, in this mm-hmm. episode. It baffles me that there's well, no reference. But we pretended that didn't exist because Angel was making a really clear choice between his life and Darla's, not between his point. life as something that would save the lives of thousands, if not millions of others. You but know? Jeeves, Jim Pettick, yeah, he could leverage that. No, he absolutely. Could say, it's and not that just about that the extra good. Tension. Right? It's yeah. not just about the good that you've done. It's about the good that you will do. It's about all he has to say is there are prophecies. Everything you will do. That's it. Exactly. But we don't You do give that. up not just your life, but everything you will do with that life. So yeah. overall, there are things to love about this episode. Yeah. There are things to genuinely appreciate about this episode. And I think that more than the quality of the episode itself, what it does structurally for the season mm-hmm. is to be applauded. At the same time, I hate this episode. <laughs> I hate the meandering first yeah. act. I hate the pointless second act, and I hate the completely inexplicable third act. Right. The trial is such a strong idea, and it is completely squandered. No, it really is. Here's the thing with my relationship with this episode. We have a couple of other Darla episodes, uh, Darla and Dear Boy, neither of which I was that hot on. You kind of talked me up a little bit on sure. on raising those a little bit higher. I actually like this one more than I like those, but I wouldn't start necessarily higher than where okay. we ended with those. But here's the thing. I can see you liking this episode more uh-huh. than those episodes. 
but you surely don't think that this is a better episode than those episodes because those episodes were competently plotted. Even if you didn't <laughs> like what we were doing, there was a clear structure. There was a clear intent. It felt like the three different acts of each of those episodes were taking place within the same world. Right. But if the overall Here, effect of the story is weak, which is what they were, I mean, they were more they were more technically proficient. I'm absolutely going to grant you that. Although I would say that there are scene level moments in the trial which exceed the stuff that happens in Darla and Dear Boy. Because um, I think that we do have little moments of brilliance. I love that scene with Lindsay. Um, there's a lot of stuff. I love I'm the ending with Drusilla. There there's a lot of moments episode. in this that I think are good. I think the overall effect is really strong i think that what it does and granted this is somewhat extra textual i also really like it because it closes this stupid chapter of wispy darla human sick running around being weird right. you know but you said previously that one of the best things about this episode is wispy darla human sick running around weird no the no no no, no. The because this the, is the... is wispy sick with a goal the other one is wispy sick as a puppet of of wolferman heart you know spewing purple powder into the air and leaving the mystical whammy on people like it was just it was all weird and i didn't care for it you know um now i feel like in this one darla has a goal she has something we know that she's sick we know that she's desperate we know that she's actively in search of something she finally finds her peace with her own death at the end Mm -hmm. which i think is really good um i like only to have that stolen away from her the the being able to bring this to a point where it actually is a tragedy that, that she's turned again, mm-hmm. and not from an external perspective, but from an internal perspective. Yeah. It is a tragedy for Darla that Darla is turned by Drusilla. Mm-hmm. That's a really great accomplishment. Yeah. That is impressive as all hell, unfortunately. Yeah. It occurs within an episode that, that just can't bear that weight. Mm-hmm. I think it's the structure here is simply too insubstantial. It's and, and, structurally I mean, weak. The overall effect, though, I think is stronger than in those other episodes. Right, but you're looking at that overall effect from the context of the season as a whole rather than just... Rather than if you this sat episode down independently? Sure. Just watched sure, this enough. episode mm-hmm. without any of the context around it as an episode of television. Mm-hmm. I think this is, this is you know, ambitious, certainly. I think that last turn is, is worth real commendation. I think the rest of it doesn't amount to to anything. I mean, we don't even get any insight into Darla when we go to Caritas, you know? Mm-hmm. The one thing that Lorne, the host is supposed to do is, is to see things no one else can see yes in this episode mm-hmm. instead he's just a delivery system for information which would have been better coming from wolferman heart because at least it would have given them or some kind of better. something that they're leading angel into what you if know? it had come from wesley yeah what if wesley all this time had been researching a solution to the darla problem yeah and had but found it and we used his that. capability as part right. of this story yeah so no, we invoke yeah. the shape of an angel episode without understanding the purpose of an angel episode well and, and without understanding us... the structure of a story that you tell right, in 45 exactly. minutes as well that that you can't have the whole focus i mean it's called the trial it's all about leading up to the trial we don't even think about the trial trial is not even you know yeah. a glimmer in anybody's eye until the end of the second act and then when we come in in the third act it ends up being mostly inconsequential the only it's thing the the only thing the trial actually does is show Darla how much Angel cares, which is something we could have accomplished in a million yes, different ways without invoking much more this directly, without breaking the world. world. Breaking, right. Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm with you on all of that. It is still my favorite of the three episodes about Darla. Um, I think it is 
better. I think that that its execution, its technical execution is not as good. Um, but what it tries to do and what it ends up doing by the time we get to Drusilla at the end is pretty good. So where would you put this on the big list of every Angel episode ever? The increasingly large list of every uh, Angel yes. episode ever. We are up to 28 entries on this list. Okay, well, now. our point of comparison, I think, to start off would be Darla and Dear Boy. Darla yep. was episode seven of season two. We have that at number six um, on the list. Uh, mm-hmm. Dear Boy was episode five of season two. We have that at number seven on the list. Um, we put them up there, I think, mostly on your enthusiasm about these episodes. Yeah, I really like those episodes. Yeah. I really like the Darla storyline. Mm-hmm. I think it is rich and it is, yes, perhaps a little poorly defined, mm-hmm. but I think that it is it is done with a, a, a greater sense of purpose. Right. The exact movements of the story, not always great. Fair enough. But there is an intent underlying it. We really are looking into what makes Angel Angel. And mm-hmm. I find that I find that interesting. I find it engaging. I find it rewarding. We never lose our focus on Angel. That, unfortunately, is not the case with this episode. So off the bat, where would you put this? Okay, I like this episode more than Darla and Dear Boy. However, Darla and Dear Boy are where they are because of a compromise that we made. So I would actually, despite the fact that I like it more, would put it a little bit lower down on the list than those two. Um, I would probably put it at nine after Are You Now or Have You Ever Been, but before Parting Gifts. Yeah, that's high. That is... That's high for me. I think that giving the episode credit for what it manages to achieve for the very difficult challenges that it faces, the fact that it manages to salvage the Drusilla scene, the fact that it makes the mullet vampire scene work, the fact that we've got Lindsay running through Mm -hmm. this episode, remaining fairly engaging, the fact that it works in its broadest Wonderfully written, yes. I can Mm -hmm. overlook a lot of the squandered potential because of that. I can't look over the incomprehensibility for me. (laughs) It goes at 14 under the ring above expecting. All right, so how do we resolve this? That's an excellent question. I mean, I could <laughs> drop it a little bit lower. Um, okay, here's where we are. I think it's a bad episode. I think that it inherits some problems. I think that it doesn't do as much as it could to resolve those problems. But ultimately, what we get is a satisfying ending to both the individual episode and the Darla arc thus far. And mm-hmm. I think that that's not nothing. That's why I'm putting it in Honestly, as high as I am, if I'm grading this on the trial, it is way down on the list. It is very close to the bottom. Uh, if I'm grading it on the trial itself, the third act of this episode, yes. it's a long way toward the bottom because good God, that <laughs> feels in a way that Angel so rarely feels like a waste of my time. It feels like I just spent 15 minutes watching this episode to no effect whatsoever. No, it does, but there are also a lot of really good strengths about this episode. No, no, I'm just, I'm just describing yeah. the trial part of this episode itself. No, that's hot so garbage. So the surrounding material, yeah. mm-hmm. I think, does elevate it. It's really difficult to address this in terms of the Darla arc so far. I think I know that you have been extremely frustrated with that arc. Well, not even frustrated. Disinterested, I mm-hmm. think is probably fair about that arc I think that the only way that we can reconcile this is to try to look at this as an episode of Angel in and of itself and Mm -hmm. I don't think that we necessarily punish episodes which leverage the serial format more than they do the episodic format Mm -hmm. I think that we're generally very affectionate toward that kind of long form storytelling so I don't mind maybe elevating it a little bit as the third of our, you know, Darla-centric mm-hmm. episodes of the season, I can see that if you look at that arc, then this episode is elevated somewhat by 
by the acknowledgement of the previous two episodes. So, or, or by comparison against the previous two episodes. <laughs> so I genuinely don't know. In a weird way, it kind of feels like Hero, which which falls roughly in the middle of, of yeah, what we're talking about Yeah, that's where I was looking. Mm-hmm. Hero, I think, achieves something very similar. It kind of gives us the, the terminus of Doyle's arc. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as emphatic. Hero... An episode that really does challenge our understanding of the world, and that you know, has a lot of its own large demon populations. Strong note in LA, mm-hmm. the scourge. Yes, all of this stuff is is both textually, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> difficult as well as being thematically, symbolically yeah. somewhat difficult. But it ends on a really strong note. Mm-hmm. We manage to draw all of this disparate stuff, or, or not even draw it together, but we manage to shake it off. We manage to forget enough about the rest of the episode in its closing moments that when you think of hero. You think of Doyle sacrificing yeah. himself. When I think of this episode, I think of Darla in the motel room at the end. And I think of the very human tragedy yep. that we're given. So if I can focus on that rather than the ramshackle path to <laughs> that, we got there, yes. then I'm good. And I think I could put it even... I mean, God, on the strength of that, I would put it above Hero. On the strength of Darla's mm. death versus Doyle's death... I would put this above Hero. I would How put does it that above sound Hero to too. you? I think number compromise? 12 on the list. I think that sounds like a good place for it. All right. All right. That was surprisingly free of acrimony. Well, sure. We can, <laughs> we can compromise. No, I just know that you've had such a hard time with the Darla saga so far. Yeah. And I know that this is a very welcome turning point in that for you. It is. It is a very yeah. welcome turning point for me. Um, but at the same time, like I, I appreciate the good stuff that this episode has. Mm-hmm. I'm very pleased to see this episode happen because it kind of ends a part of Angel that I've never been that in love with. Sure. <laughs> um, so, I mean, for me, like, but I, I honestly genuinely feel that there is a lot of good stuff in here. Yes, structurally, it's a hot mess. The, the trial doesn't make any sense and comes very close to breaking the world. But the overall effect of the episode episode I feel is strong and I think that there is some very strong scene level writing going on within the episode. I'm sure that every time the life of one of our heroes is challenged in the rest of the series we'll return to that swimming pool and go talk to Jim Piddock about bringing them back and he can check the Eula to see if there's an excuse about why they can't be restored. (laughs) That's the problem with the oracles that's the problem with the trial (laughs) is that when you enter something into the world that is fairly easily accessed Mm -hmm. um, and then all you have to do is go there to fix any problem that you have with the world such as oh let's say we want to turn back time or whatever. Exactly. Um, Then I think that you end up creating this sort of weird loophole that almost feels strange that people don't go to it more often because right. it is an access to a great deal of power and when you find out that the trial itself you know is fairly you know minimal yeah, because angel presumably could return to that trial and go through it with no trouble at all now, i guess right? well i mean my guess is they would change the challenges a little bit and since he's been <laughs> spoiled on the end he'd be like yeah stake me go yeah, ahead yeah, right. really really satisfied to die right now exactly that, no that. totally yeah. totally ready to die just because i want you know mcdonald's to bring back the mcrape just go ahead you know um now that's the real trial exactly that's the no, real trial no right there. let's wrap this thing up because we are going to have a very brief spoiler zone discussion after this episode basically an acknowledgement of a couple of things yeah. more than a real discussion but that will take place after the music 
All right, so if you have seen All of Angel, stay tuned after the music. For the rest of you, that is it for today. We will be back on Monday with our thoughts on Episode 10 of Season 5 of Buffy Into the Woods, in which Buffy and Riley must make some hard decisions about their relationship. Talking about the end of difficult hearts. Oh, my into goodness. It's going to be a fun discussion. Then next Thursday, we'll be back with Episode 10 of Season 2 of Angel Reunion, in which Angel must travel a dark path to save Darla. We're not done with Darla just yet, is what I'm saying. No, we're never going to be done with Darla. <laughs> what are you thinking? In the meantime, don't forget you can join some of the funniest, smartest, and most delightful people on the internet on our forums at forum.storywonk.com. Or you can send your feedback to us via email at podcast at storywonk.com or leave a voicemail, 252-505-WONK. That's 252-505-9665. And remember that this podcast is brought to you free and ad-free by our generous patrons. To join this group and gain access to the exclusive StoryWonk content, go to patreon.com slash StoryWonk and throw us a dollar a month or whatever you can afford. Until next time, I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. I'm Alistair Stevens, and this is Dusted. So it feels to me completely unintentional that within the span of this episode, we kind of reference the big bads of both season three and season four. Let's dispose with Jasmine first. Sure. <laughs> who gets her name mm-hmm. from that self-same night-blooming Jasmine that Darla is smelling outside the Hyperion. Yeah, like how much that is a conscious reference <laughs> to Jasmine coming in season four, I don't know. Um, I think that the fact that there are flowers that are night-blooming, and of course those would be the vampire's favorites, is sure. definitely, you know, thematically, you know, complete. Uh, what I found interesting about this episode is that we are already name-checking Holtz, who is going to be the big bad in season yes. three does not show up until the first episode of season three Yeah, it won't be referred to again until the first episode of season three this is it and i wonder i genuinely wonder to what degree that was planned to what degree this I is intentional foreshadowing yeah or to what degree they had to radically revisit the very concept of angel as a tv show between seasons two and three because here's the thing were this a season of buffy or a season of pretty much any other TV show, mm-hmm. I would view this as absolutely intentional foreshadowing. Yes. We're here. We're almost at the halfway point of the of the second season. Let's foreshadow. Let's let's reference the big bad yeah. in season three. That's strong. The problem is that between now and then, Angel is going to undergo some major transitions. This, in fact, is the first major transition. Mm-hmm. We were not supposed to turn Darla quite as decisively or quite so early as we have. We will later in the season bail on the Darla storyline completely (laughs) and introduce the Pylea storyline because Angel as a show was suffering because of its focus on a storyline that wasn't working. A storyline which I don't genuinely hate. I like Darla as an active antagonist. I think she works pretty well. But the show was suffering, so they threw out the plans that they had and we did Pylea Mm -hmm. instead. That makes me wonder about whether or not Holtz was planned for season three at Holtz all. I think Holtz was absolutely point. planned, and the reason why I've got two reasons. One, we have these weird flashbacks that have almost nothing to do with what's actually happening in the storyline, and which even by the standards not, of Angel flashbacks, exactly, right. which is not let's you know admit it a high bar <laughs> for what require what we require of a flashback to accomplish in order to include it in the episode. But the fact that they very specifically name checked Holtz. 
yes. feels weird to me in the moment. It felt weird to me when I was watching. I'm like, who is this Holtz person? Because we don't name check unless there's a reason for it. That's just like you know one of the things people who listen to our writing stories talk about the bricks in the backpack, right? If I give you a detail, it should be important. Yeah. So we have this like this Holtz person that we've just kind of thrown into this weird right. flashback and- that has nothing to do with the story that we're in. It feels to me like the clunkiest of foreshadowing Flashbacks. Particularly because you could, in this moment, invoke the Slayer. Right. The Slayer is after us. The Slayer has been hunting us across Central Europe. Right. That's an idea with which we're already familiar. Uh-huh. Why are you introducing this this masculine figure? Why are we name checking? That opposes Holtz? our understanding. No, that's a really decent point. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that they absolutely did that on purpose. I think that had they utilized those flashbacks to some leverage, had it been Angelus that left Darla in the barn or something like that, that that gave us some leverage within this story, um, it might not have stood out quite so much. But to me, those flashbacks feel like, hey, let's get Holtz in there. And they're just sort of wedged in. So let's talk a little, I guess, about Holtz. We'll have a lot more opportunity to talk about him in season three. Mm -hmm. Do you like Holtz? God, my memory of it. I think... (laughs) I like Holtz better than Darla, but that's, of course, again, like a low bar. Um, right. And as I said, it is acknowledged that Darla does not But we really at work. least commit to Holtz. Like, yes. Holtz is season three, big bad, and Holtz does things and makes things happen that have real serious consequence. So I do like that, but my memory of it is so flat. I mean, I've only seen Angel all the way through once. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe some of the episodes twice. But I find it interesting with Darla in the second season that in a way we're intending to replicate Buffy season two structure Mm -hmm. with Darla playing the role of Angelus and Angel playing the role of Buffy, Mm -hmm. essentially, albeit through a a different mechanism. We, as I said, bailed on that pretty quickly, Mm -hmm. have already, in a sense, bailed on it by now. You're right. Holtz is at least a much more traditional season arc, big, bad Mm -hmm. antagonist. And I think that, I think that he works structurally perhaps better than he works as a character oh no absolutely i think that like narratively he functions as an antagonist yes. better than darla functions sure as an antagonist one unit of antagonist he isn't sure he? is one unit of antagonist how good he is how interesting he is as a character i think is something i'm going to withhold my judgment on i remember mm. i remember not caring for him I'm like not the way that curious. like yeah. you know i love glory mm. as an antagonist and buffy i loved spike as an the mayor as an antagonist mm. like just because they're the bad guys doesn't mean that you can't love them i don't remember ever having any kind of affection for Holtz at all. And how do you feel about Jasmine? Ah, uh, same. Really? I and as I remember, Jasmine doesn't even does she serve a really strong narrative antagonist function in well, season four? It's, it's more complicated than that, but she is at least you know a constant. I love presence. Gina Torres. She is at least a consistent. I love the hell out of Gina Torres, but I have to wait and see how I feel about it. Like I've never watched these episodes yeah. of Angel critically before, so for me, like I have vague memories of what happens during those season arcs, sure. but I don't really know how I feel about them until we revisit them. But what is your memory of Jasmine? I remember really liking Jasmine. Yeah. I remember just really enjoying Jasmine. I remember there. I remember in a weird way feeling as though Jasmine is almost like a a refined, evolved idea of glory, which mm-hmm. I know is going to be a controversial thing to say. That'll be interesting. That is how I took her, given that I didn't previously 
care that much for Glory. I'm enjoying Glory a lot more mm-hmm. watching season five with this very critical, a season five of Buffy with yes. this very critical eye. So I'm going to be very interested to see that straight juxtaposition. Yeah. I'm also going to be really interested to look at Holtz through the lens of Buffy. Yeah. Through really the experiences that we've had with the initiative, with mm-hmm. faith, with characters who sit uncomfortably across that divide mm-hmm. of, of, you know, power and and morality. Yeah. I think I'm more attuned to that thanks to our study of Buffy now. So I'm really interested to see what we make of Holtz as a morally complex figure. I'm not sure how much of that we're going to get, but I'm looking forward to the discussion. I think it'll be really interesting. <laughs> I remember, you know, when it comes to Jasmine, it may not have been Jasmine that I didn't like so much, so much as so many of the story movements in season four. I oh, almost, season four I almost fell off Angel hard. Yes. The only reason I came back is in season five, Spike was in Angel, and I was like, all right, I'm in. Yeah, which you is know? one of the things that and, makes and me not Wesley, like season five of Wesley Angel. Wesley and Fred. Well, no, I mean, that's, that's a it's a bad move, but it's James Marsters, <laughs> so I'm, con- I'm conflicted. Narratively, it's a real poor choice it's a really good choice for season five of angel it's not a great choice for season seven of buffy is the it's problem. also yeah it's not spike. a great choice for the character of spike yeah. although i am glad that he you know was resurrected well so. this has turned into something of a meandering this is a spoiler huge zone spoiler. we're just this looking is spoiling ahead. the hell out this of everything this is what happens we haven't done a lot of spoiler zones lately i know so we gotta because we've always it all been in on here the because there hasn't been that much thing, to talk right? about yet you know but now we're getting these you know these name checks and these things that are going to be happening in the future yeah, so it's going to be really I interesting to see how that plays out to try to keep these spoiler zones focused on these big pivotal arc yeah. episodes when mm-hmm. we can really look at the structure of the season and in a sense the structure of the entire show in a weird way we are now at you know the crest of the roller coaster yeah. here on Angel it's going to be a pretty sharp decline that's not to say that the next two episodes aren't going to be good aren't going to be there's interesting. some good stuff coming and yeah I'm there is really looking forward to Pylea I'm really excited about that that story arc yeah because I've never looked at that critically I don't think I've ever seen those episodes in order the way that they're intended to be it's seen. It's going to be really interesting to see how yeah. we take that sharp left turn in the middle <laughs> of the season. The sharpest and left then turn. we're all of a sudden in this wacky but space. It is yeah. at least an emphatic break. Yeah. And when you break, I like to break with purpose. Oh sure. So yeah. I'm see Do it like exactly you mean it. That, exactly Absolutely. right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so let's see how that how that works out. Well yeah, supposedly. So- <laughs> That, I think, will do it for this episode (laughs) of Dusted Guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. We'll be back next Monday with more. Until then, take care. Grr. Arg.